Tonight's reading is from Luke, chapter 4, verses 31 to 37. It's entitled, Jesus Drives Out an Evil Spirit. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. I wonder, have you ever uh, used one of these before? A high-vis jacket. Uh, more than that, maybe you've worn a high-vis jacket and had a clipboard. More than that, a high-vis jacket, a clipboard and a megaphone. Uh, surely, if you have those three items... Everybody has to listen to what you say, um, because they are kind of the items of authority. Uh, the high-vis jacket, the clipboard, the megaphone. You've got to listen to that person. Okay, so I'm, I'm jesting a little bit. Um, but the reason I raise it is because in today's true story from the Bible, uh, we're going to hear about Jesus. Uh, we're going to hear about his authority, uh, which isn't derived from, from wearing a high-vis jacket but it's because he's God's king. He has complete and total authority. So as we start this evening, um, let's pray together. Loving Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is your chosen king. Thank you that therefore he does have complete authority. But we pray we both know that but also be amazed at him in our hearts this evening. Amen. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been going through the, sort of the, the early chapters after the Christmas narratives uh, in Luke's Gospel. And you might know that, that Luke writes his Gospel for a reason. So if you've, uh, if you've got a Bible on you, just flick back to Luke chapter 1 uh, and just look at those very first opening words. Um, Verses 3 and 4 of Luke chapter 1 say, uh, With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to run an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And here's the key bit. So that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Uh, Luke was writing to give Theophilus, and by extension us, a certainty about the things he's writing about, or the things they've heard, so we can have confidence in Jesus. So when we read in Luke's gospel about Jesus' baptism and we, we hear the God the Father commissioning Jesus and saying, this is my son whom I love, we can have confidence in that. Or um, when we read about the temptations and, and Jesus well, was, was looking down over the, the belly of hell and he stood up to the, to the flesh the world and the devil, 
we can have confidence that, that Jesus is going to carry forward this mission. Or, or, or last week when we heard Jesus stand up in Nazareth and open the scroll to Isaiah 61 and read these words in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. We can have certainty that Jesus is saying, look, I know your biggest need, and I'm the one who's going to bring that. I'm God's Messiah, who's here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And now in our next session, is this Luke saying, look, do you believe that? If not, let, let me try and convince you. Let me show you more of Jesus. Let me introduce you more to Jesus. Let me show you that he has authority as God's spirit and power Messiah, promised of old. And so he dives into this story of Jesus in Capernaum. And so the first thing that we see uh, from verses 31 and 32 is that Jesus' words have authority. Let me read to you those two verses. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his words had authority. They were amazed at his teaching, because his words had authority. Jesus has and spoke like no other. Now remember um, our high-vis jacket at the start. Uh, remember this person has authority, and, and the reason they do is because the person wearing the high-vis jacket is, is often acting on behalf of another. So if you drive in your car and you, you pull up by somebody with a high-vis jacket and they say, oh, good morning, sir, can you, can you just please park over here? Um, you listen to them. And you listen to them because they're acting, they're gaining their authority from the, the event they're working for, or the organisation they're working for. Um, their authority comes from someone else. And in Jesus' day, often teachers would, would derive and, and gain their authority from someone else. Uh, they would say, I would say these things because I'm basing my teaching uh, on this famous teacher, this person here. Uh, that's where I gain my authority. That's where I'm looking to. But not Jesus. No, no, Jesus came and said, look, I, I know you've heard it said by all of these people. But I tell you. I, I know you've heard this teaching and, and this authority in the past. I know that's been there, but, but I tell you. Jesus didn't gain his authority from another. He had it from himself. Jesus is, is totally unique. He, he stands in a category all on his own. Jesus' words have authority. Because when Jesus speaks, it's God speaking. And so when God speaks, the people were amazed. And so that's why here at Bishop Hankton, we, we spend so much time in, in the Bible. Because we, we long to hear God speak. But more than that, we, we long not simply to, to hear him speak, but to, to, to live and love his words. 
to be amazed by his words. And so just a question that would be good for us to leave hanging is this. Are, are we amazed by Jesus' words? Are we amazed by them? We're going to push that question a bit deeper later on, but just for now, just consider it in the back of your mind. Are we amazed by Jesus' teaching? But here's our, our second big idea. Jesus' words have power. Jesus' words have power. Let me just read to you um, those verses, verses 33 to 36. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want of us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Just before we think more about that, it's just worth just to take a side step and say, well, what, why is it in the Gospels we hear so much about demon possession, but we, we never do today? Well, think of it this way. Um, when Jesus walked the earth and God himself was walking the earth, you could see Hear, touch, smell, God. That's amazing, isn't it? God was, was physically, tangibly there. But actually it makes sense, doesn't it, then, that when Jesus walked the earth, the, the devil needs to up his game. Just as God tangibly walked the earth, that the devil needs to tangibly be a presence to, to oppose the Lord. Which is why we have these sort of spiritual battles going on in and around Jesus. But don't be fooled, that, that same battle is still happening today. But, but just like a, a pro golfer looks at his golf bag and, and picks out the right club for the situation, so the devil picks the situation, picks the, the right club, should I say, or the, the right tool or trick for the situation. And so I wonder today if that famous phrase, that the, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world he didn't exist, is perhaps his greatest tool he's using at the moment, to be hidden, to be unseen, to be working in the, the dark corners of the world, of our lives. Now it may be the case in other parts of the, the world, that's not the case. But certainly here in the West it seems to be. The battle is still real. But the fight just looks different. However, let's get back to our our passage today. Jesus encounters this man in the synagogue. And he has complete authority in the situation. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever had a dog before. We, uh, growing up, I had a dog called Skippy. Um, we called him Skippy because he was a bit like the bush kangaroo, like jumping all over the place. And then um, a bit later in life, just before Morag and I had children, we had another dog called Marley, who was a, a staffy terrier cross. It, uh, both of them were, were lovely dogs. They were really, really lovely dogs. Except um, there was always the slightest possibility if they saw a cat, they would bolt. 
no matter what I shouted, they were not coming back. Uh, so I always need to make sure I had some uh, tasty treats in my pocket to try and entice them to come back to me. But I didn't really have much authority. My, my word didn't really have an authoritative ring to it to call them back. Oh, if they're not dogs, maybe you've had children. Um, and my children are lovely. Um, but it's fair to say sometimes they, they don't always listen to me. I may call them back and they won't come. So it's always good to have a tasty treat in your pocket. <laughs> um, you get the idea, don't you? Um, I don't really have much authority over miniature versions of myself and dogs. But Jesus here has a complete and total authority over all things, even over the spirits. So when the evil, uh, evil demon sees Jesus, he says, go away. Look, I, I don't want you near here. And then he says, look, is this the time you've come to destroy us? That's really what he's asking. Um, when he says, what do you want of us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? He's saying, is this the time? Is this the moment you've come to destroy us? And then he tries a, a final trick. He says, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Now, this isn't the demon sort of saying, oh, I know who you are, God. You're, you're God's king. Please have mercy. This is not what's going on at all. No, no, rather, um, this is the demon trying to take authority from Jesus. He's saying, look, I know who you are, because th- there was a belief that if you knew somebody's identity, you had power over them. And so the devil, or the demon, should I say, in some sort of early rumple stiltskin moment, is, is trying to claim authority over Jesus. But Jesus will have none of it. None of it. He, he, he won't allow the demon to testify about him. And he certainly won't allow him to have authority. So with, with six words, be quiet, come out of him. He gives two commands, silence, depart. And there's one outcome, the demon flees. And what was the result? Verse 36, all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words are these? With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits. And they come out. People were amazed that his words had power, that what he said happened. And they were amazed. Jesus is God's spirit and power Messiah. What he says happens. And Luke's saying that's what we should expect, isn't it? If Jesus is the promised king from Isaiah 61, if he's the one who's come to, to proclaim freedom the prisoners, to to give good news to the poor, to to set the oppressed free. We would expect his words to have authority. And here he is, having authority. What Jesus says happens. So what does all this mean? What does all this mean for for you and for me? on On a big level... It continues to give us certainty. It reveals who Jesus is. It shows us his identity. 
uh, we can have confidence that Jesus is God's king. He, he is the one who's able to do these things. Uh, and maybe this evening, that, that's what you need to hear. <coughs> that Jesus is totally unique. He's not like you and me. I don't have authority uh, over small people and dogs, but Jesus has authority over all things without even having to wear a high-vis jacket. So we need to listen to his words. We should take them seriously. Now, maybe uh, you're the person who's looking all over the place for people to tell you uh, or have an authority in your life. What is life about? What does it mean? And you're searching here, there and everywhere. <clears throat> but maybe you've not come to Jesus. Maybe you need to hear that Jesus is the one who has total authority and, and come to him. Listen to him. He's the one who we need to listen to. But we can push deep than that. We can come back to that question I asked earlier. Uh, are we amazed by Jesus' words? Do, do we um, long for them? Do we love them? Do we want to ingest them? Now you can be really honest with yourself here. No, no one's going to ask you. No one may not even be in the room as you listen to this. But do you think Jesus' words make your life harder or easier? Do you think that actually that, that listening to Jesus, listening to his words, loving his words, following his words, is actually a burden and a chore? Do you think that listening to Jesus' words in the Bible will make your life harder? Perhaps we're being honest, we, we may have all had moments when we think that. But remember here that, that Jesus has, has total authority. And that actually, listening to Jesus' words is not a chore. And in the same way that, that wearing a life jacket when we're bobbing about in the sea is not a chore. Because when we have our life jacket on, that's the thing that, that, that gives us life, that's, that's keeping our heads above the water. And it's Jesus' words that give us life and, and keep our heads above the water. We should be amazed at Jesus' words. We should long to listen to them and love them. Because Jesus' words have power. Because what he says happens. What he says happens. So, so when we jump forward to Luke 23, uh, uh, and we see the thief on the cross who says, Lord, remember me. And Jesus says, today, today you will be with me in paradise. What he says happens and so for us when when jesus says i'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you what he says happens but when he says there is not one thing that can take you from my father's hand what he says happens 
when he says, I have come to give you life and life to the full, what he says happens. Jesus' words are good. Jesus' words have authority. Jesus' words have power. And we'd be fools to think that listening to Jesus' words will make our lives harder or more burdensome. Are you amazed by Jesus' words? We all should be. So let's pray now that we will be. Loving and gracious Lord, thank you so much for your words. Thank you for this word here that shows us that Jesus has authority, total authority over all things. Help us to be amazed by Jesus, to be captivated by Jesus. The day would not go by when we are, uh, are not filling our, our heads and our hearts with Jesus' words. And a day would not go by when we are not captivated by him. Lord, we pray you would open up our eyes to see more of Jesus today in, the, in your word, the Bible. Thank you for your good word. Help it to live strong in our lives today, we pray. Amen.